10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits, cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Got a big show today. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll recap the week in A-State basketball. Also, some baseball scheduling news to get to. And I'm going to tease now, later when we get toward the end, I'll take you behind the scenes in our new vintage line of apparel from Home Field Apparel. I think a lot of people saw this on social media this past week, and I have questions for you as well so i'm excited about about this i think a lot of our fans are excited about the vintage apparel line but right now we're going to start with our special guest from a state football safety out of gardendale alabama welcome in justin parks how you doing justin i'm good i'm good how you doing doing great and wanted to have you in for a while because of your story number one how you got to arkansas state we'll get into all that stuff but just kind of the leadership role that has kind of been put on you by coach Jones and this staff and everything you've done from a recruiting standpoint, trying to bring in this new class of red wolves as well. So we'll get into all that stuff, but you just wrapped up your second season here at Arkansas state. And I guess we'll start off there. Just how you ended up coming to Jonesboro. Well, uh, it all started off, uh, I want to say in 20, 2020, so, you know, I was getting recruited heavy by the uh, last coaching staff. And, uh, this was my last place I got to visit out of uh, six schools before COVID, so I was actually here to watch a spring practice, but COVID unfortunately shut it down literally hours before I got there, but they still let me uh, visit the school. I was still, like, in like, uh, a player's meeting, so fortunately enough, uh, I always wanted to go somewhere where I got to visit, and then with Coach Jones coming in, you know, I was still a little uncertain after Coach Anderson left where I, would I want to come here, should I wait to February to sign, but I ultimately ended up signing in December. Just uh, previously knowing the coach that he was was when he was at Tennessee. I used to watch a lot of them games, especially when they played Alabama. I was a big Alabama fan, but um, <laughs> so decided to come here, and it felt like home ever since. You want to tell us where the other visits were too? The other visits, I got to visit Georgia State and Georgia Tech one weekend. I was in Atlanta, so my sister took me there. I got to visit uh, Tennessee. Uh, when uh, Jeremy Pruitt was there, I got to visit UAB, of course. They was right literally eight minutes from my house. So <laughs> I got to visit there as well. So uh, those are my visits. Oh, and Memphis as well. And Troy from like January to, I want to say, whenever COVID. Yeah, March. Picked up in March. Yes, sir. So you're originally committed to Arkansas State with Coach Anderson, but you had to be re-recruited here to Arkansas State. And you talked about just your familiarity with Coach Jones teams in the past but when you sat down with him for the first time what was it about him where you guys kind of hit it off oh the knowledge you know he's a very you know he knows a lot especially in coaching uh the players I knew the players he coaching like Alvin Kamara when he was at Tennessee even Jalen Hurd Josh Dobbs like you know all his teams were uh, pretty tough like you know because I'm a big football fan I watch pretty much any team in the country everybody asked me uh do you know this coach and I shock him and say yes and then like name what teams used to coach for i'm just a big football fan that's all i really do watch football when he knew you know you were from as you said just outside birmingham grew up an alabama fan at any point did he go hey you know i got coach saban's phone number if we can 
Did he use that in the recruiting pitch? No, no, no. He didn't use that. <laughs> he, uh, he told me he knew all about me, though. I'm pretty sure because I went to a Bama camp when he was there back in uh, 2019. I went to a three-day camp. Uh, that was the hardest camp of my life. You know, that's... It made me. I feel like it made me the player who I was today, though. Just being coached by Coach Saving, you know, he's a he's a great coach, great DB coach. Just learning a lot from him, he, he taught me I can do it. I can compete with at the highest level, you know, just competing against all those talented athletes. Yeah, it's an interesting point because, I, and I'm glad you said it because, you know, we think about you know Nick Saban and you think about the big picture and and winning all the national championships and the CEO sort of approach, but. He's still a position coach at the end of the day, and you it happens to be in your position group. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great. You know, he you know he'll travel around, you know, watch other positions, but you know he he's definitely over there coaching the DBs. You know, you're definitely th- he's the defensive coach. You came to Arkansas State as part of that very first recruiting class for Coach Jones. I know that first year on the field a little bit rough, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Brad and I have talked about this many times. It seemed like after the first six games of that 2021 season, something changed where it kind of clicked on the defensive side of the ball, and it was much better the second half of that season. And then you guys as a defense were dramatically better last season in 2022. What is it that is is kind of clicking with Coach Harley, everything on the defensive side of the ball that has made this group improve as much as it has? Honestly, trusted the system more, you know, Back in 2021, you know, a mistake would happen, and it's like they would abandon coaching. Like, they'll just be out there doing their own thing. And, you know, that's that's not what great defenses do at all. You know, we still had some problems in 2022, but, like, ultimately we trust the system. You know, we watch more film. You got to watch film. You got to know what's coming. I feel like in 2021 we kind of hesitated because we didn't really know what was coming. And it would be simple plays that the coaches would be preaching every week. And then 2022 we started to listen more. So, that's why you've seen the numbers jump increasingly on defense. Like, we just – we limited the explosive. We wanted to take away the explosives because it would be so frustrating just having one play 99-yard touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> and really, that's what the biggest issue was right. the first six games or so of 2021. It was the explosive plays. And this past season, we really didn't see as much of that. Correct. And that's for good reason. Correct. Just uh, great coaching. You know, we schemed up every team. Even one game, we switched up the schemes. We uh, even one of the players, Lincoln Perry, against Texas State, just by switching up, making little minute switches, mess with their run fits, mess with their run blocking schemes. So, you know, Coach Harley does a great job, you know, and we, we try to follow him as much as possible. You know, you're all plugged into social media, and even if you – no, no, some guys maybe get away from a little bit during the season, but it's interesting to hear you say – stuff would go bad and guys abandon coaching because as players and you, you sort of hear like i mean like the coaches are who take the brunt of that like if, if it doesn't go well to say well, the coaches didn't have them ready and it's always going to come back to coaching to coaching to coaching so it's interesting to hear a player sit here and say you know it's not the case coaches were telling us exactly what's going to happen and we would just sort of abandon the plan it, right you know the coaches coach but the players you know we got to play and you know i feel like I can sit here and say, uh, if they ran a coverage beater, then you can say it's coaching. But like most of the explosive plays and touchdowns didn't come from coverage beaters and it come from run blocking beaters. It just came from simply not doing our job and not executing. And like on defense, like if you just have one in this defense, if you have one person not fitting right, not covering, it's an explosive. It's a touchdown. It sounds like coach talk sometimes when 
Coach Jones is talking about the 11 for 11 stuff. And so many times we're nine for 11 or 10 for 11. But if there's those one or two guys that are not there on a particular play, then it's going to screw everything up. And I guess that's another reason why football is such a great sport. It's the ultimate team sport. Correct. You know, and at first when he started to say, you're like, ah, they don't really. When you start to see more plays where people are 10 out of 11, then next play somebody 9 out of 11. So that could possibly cause two touchdowns in the game on back-to-back drives. And it's like, it don't seem big when he said, but once you, like, sit back and just watch the film, that's what I've been doing lately, just sit back and watch the film from the past games. It's like, it's true. You've got to be 11 for 11 every play or, or almost every play. So that's defense as a whole. Specifically, though, to your group, I'll borrow an expression that Trooper Taylor used to say when he was here. You know, a defensive lineman can mess up. And there's two more levels. Right. Linebacker can mess up. But you're back there with those guys where, as they, where Trooper would say, if you guys mess up, the other team's playing the fight song. <laughs> For real. <laughs> no, it's real because, you know, we are considered the racers in this defense. You know, me in my position, I'm, I'm involved in a run fit heavy, so I got to fit correct. I can't run up my linebacker's back. I got to uh, sit back there. And wait, but when when the hole opens up, I gotta fill the hole. And you know, that's really all DBs. We we gotta make our linebackers and D line right. One thing that stood out about your freshman season was the fact that as a true freshman, you were named team captain for a couple of games. And I can't remember ever seeing that before. I remember asking you before last season, we were doing an event right before the year began over at the uh, Student Activity Center, and and I asked you on stage, you know, what that meant to you, and you said it meant more than you know. You talk about how much you know about football. I'm sure you know that's something that doesn't happen very often. Yes, sir, absolutely. You know, it it meant a lot to me because... Having your teammates, having your coaches trust you. Normally, lower classmen look up to upper classmen, but I felt like a lot of upper classmen looked up to me just because of my work ethic, you know, and it meant a lot to me. I came to work every day, ready to work, helping my team out in any way they can, emotionally, spiritually, you know, and for them to give me that honor, you know, it meant a lot to me, and I ain't take it lightly, you know. I still came to work, didn't get a big head, just still came to work every day, the same person, and I feel like that's why my teammates still respect me uh, to this day. When we're talking work ethic, you're talking leadership. Jeff Purinton tells the story about you being one of the first, the first athlete to come up when he got the AD job. What do you attribute that to? What happened in your upbringing that kind of has you wired the way you are? I would say uh, my dad, honestly, you know, he, you know, I used to hang around him more than anybody when I was coming, growing up. You know, he taught me a lot about life. You know, a lot of stuff he said was going to happen end up happening in my life, you know, good or bad. And by him just simply saying when you greet somebody shake their hand look them in you know nice handshake you know just simple stuff but everybody not really taught that that's what some people say I stand out you know but uh, uh he he's a great dude you know I look up to him and everything I do and uh that's why I am who I am today what's your dad do did he play football see he yeah he played football everybody say we act just alike on the football <laughs> field mean all all that he's a, a mechanic in uh, Birmingham you know he uh, works at a pipe place right now though but he loves working on cars cranes big machines like that's that's who he is what's your end game after football uh, my end game i want to get into coaching i feel like i have a, a a heart for coaching i feel like you know a lot of people say coaching is like preaching you got to have a calling for it so a lot of my old coaches coaches now see me coaching in the future so that's my plan i want to either at the college or high school level but it's still up for grabs you said that you and coach jones hit it off and 
obviously the the fact that you were a, a team captain as a true freshman kind of talks about his trust in you but even more so last year and into this past off season you know we've seen since your class came along a couple of straight years now where this program has turned in back-to-back number one recruiting classes but I know towards the end of this past season you came to coach Jones and you said you wanted to be more of a part of what this program is doing as far as not only helping out with the recruiting process but you also wanted to help evaluate the current team talk about how you kind of uh, approach coach Jones about that so you know me and him had a a great relationship once I started like playing more on defense he felt like the defense kind of changed we started to have a little edge to us a lot of more violent collisions so then you know I was like coach you know I would love to get around the recruits you know because I feel like I can see you know the coaches they can see through like you know the recruits they just in it for like the social media, but I just want to get like some hardcore football players, like just to come in. They just love football. They're just tough, you know, and I feel like we did that with this past class. Uh, I can just see it in their eyes, you know, and I give them feedback and that's up for him to make a decision on that. I can't say I'm, I'm I make any decisions, <laughs> but I just give them, I just tell them what I'm thinking because I feel like he trusts me a lot, you know, and I'm a very loyal person to people that I love, people that I trust. It's just a blessing for uh, me to be in this position, for him allowing me to give that type of feedback. All right, so based on your evaluation, meeting the guys in this class, give us a sneak peek. Who's a dog? I like Brian Austin. He's from my uh, area. He He's just a tough football player. I'm not even going to lie. You know, he just he's very dominating at the line of scrimmage, very violent hand strike, aggressive tackler, you know, and he – he talks a little bit too, and that's what you you got to have a little craziness <laughs> when you're playing football. I love that kid. One thing that Coach Jones has talked about is when these recruits come in, there's a kind of a player panel where the coaches, the A-State coaches are not involved. Nothing that is said in there is repeated outside of the room. It's strictly between the current players on this player panel and the recruits that are coming in and, and their parents, I guess. Talk yeah. about what happens there. They ask any question that come to their mind. And a lot of times, you know, you in recruiting, sometimes a lot of stuff is planned. You know, coaches going to say this, coaches going to say this. But then, you know, you kind of get you kind of get rid the real, you know, on how it really is, you know, somewhere. And, and some of the players don't have really experience, you know, because we have a lot of transfers in the player panel too and now ask us. If one player don't know, the other player answer. And sometimes it's just one player up there, you know, because it's all about who's experienced this and this and that. And um, But it's something good, you know. I feel like a lot of people, I think it's unique because we're one of the few schools that do it. And so it gives us an advantage. And, like, a lot of players come back, you know, talk to us and be like, man, I appreciate that. Like, it changed their whole perspective about the school. Along those lines, you know, you did, as you said, took visits before COVID sort of shut that down. Now you've seen a couple of times this staff go through the process. You've been involved in it. So now you've got a couple of different angles you can answer this question. They've come in, and despite the record not being what they want it to be, they've signed the best class in the league two times in a row. How does that happen? Why does this staff recruit as well as it recruits? It's a lot of stuff that we do, you know, because, of course, you know, we haven't had the best of seasons in the past, but they, they see improvement and, you know, I feel like, you know, I can't speak for them from what I'm seeing them from what they're telling me is that they're basically out recruiting other schools, you know, because Arkansas State didn't have the best record when I committed either. But they showed when Blake Gunderson 
was here and Coach Permiski, the main coach that recruited me, they showed so much love. That's one thing about this place that like they show so much love when you're getting recruited that and then you finally get here and see the top because they say the facilities are better than some SEC programs, ACC programs, like, and I could agree because when I went to like those schools like Tennessee, Ole Miss, they weren't better than Tennessee, but they was up there with Tennessee. Like just it's just amazing. You know, it blows your mind. So it's like why go to the SEC and not play at all, probably won't play to your fourth year or at all, or you can come here and play and still have the same facilities. So I think the facilities has a lot to do with it as well. And there's got to be a buy-in. And obviously you've bought completely in, and, and it takes a while to get that culture in place that a particular staff wants to have. And the first year that you were here, I know the culture was not – where it needed to be it seemed like a completely different facility when you walked into it last year it seemed like the attitude was much better just across the table and i know a lot of that is just trying to create the right atmosphere yes sir it is the first year you you have a lot of older players but they weren't really leaders you know you didn't see really you go back and watch the old film you didn't really see them improve nobody really improved and then last year it was just we were being we were just young. We was a very young football team when it, we didn't have no competitive maturity. Like when the games would go bad, it'll just be bad the rest of the game. Like if if it's going good, it's going good. If it's bad, it's awful. That's that's what happened most of the time. And you talked about that before we started recording today. There was a big difference between the two and ten in twenty twenty one and the three and nine in twenty twenty two. A lot of those games in twenty twenty one were not close. Last year, five of those nine losses you led in the fourth quarter. As a player, you feel like you're a whole lot closer than you were before. Yes, sir, we are. It's just all about that's one thing we preach this year. It's just winning the fourth quarter, you know. And it may sound like Everybody says it now, it's just winning the fourth quarter, but we got to find a way to really and truly do that. So every day we train, I be in the weight room, challenging guys just to finish. Leave no doubt, leave the weight room tired. You ain't doing it right if you're leaving it, walking, smiling, laughing. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just we got we to gotta win the fourth quarter. And that's one thing we preach, and, you know, this year we got to saying the fourth quarter is our quarter. And I feel like we're going to accomplish that this year because we really lost, like you said, five of those games in the fourth quarter, and it's just unacceptable yeah, it's just it's just bad. Especially, I just the game I think about the most is the Southern Miss game because we we're up seventeen zero and seventeen zero in the fourth quarter. That's it, it's a lot of points. You know, we we can't ask our offense to do too much more. You know, to let a third string quarterback come in and like come in and beat us is something that you know I challenge the defense on and just think about every day. So we mentioned earlier, you know, when Jeff Puritan came here, he's talking about you, the first athlete that came up and introduced yourself. Then lo and behold, last week. You know, he puts a picture out on social media. The two of you guys are having lunch. I won't ask you to talk about what was said during that lunch, but I will ask you to kind of give your thoughts on there are only about 400 athletes at Arkansas State. So to be the one called in for lunch with the AD, what was that like? Mr. Pearson is a great guy. You know, uh, so the story was I drove, I'm driving through the parking lot, leaving the facility. I see a Tahoe with Alabama tag. So I'm like, okay, we did have an AD come from Alabama. So. He was in the car, so I, you know, I just wanted to introduce myself because you you don't see the eighty too much around, like you, you don't see him parked in his car too much, just sitting in the car. So I, I went up and shook his hand, met him, told him where I was from, and you know, it, it took me a long way. We 
have a relationship every time we go to his house for like so i'm on a set committee for the football team and uh we just go over there have dinner like we did on thanksgiving we just talk ball you know he showed me his championship rings because you know i'm crazy seeing that stuff in person and uh just him telling me stories old alabama stories because i grew up a diehard fan you know and me and him just got a a tight relationship you know and we was just in lunch just just chopping it up you guys are already back in school you're working out once again and you were telling me before that the workouts are a little bit different these days. They're a lot more challenging than maybe year one or year two. How is that? Yes, sir. You know, so the past two years, you know, the first year they came in, they didn't really know how strong everybody was. Then, especially with me coming in as a freshman, they definitely didn't know. But, like, over the years, they built up player profiles on us with speed, workouts, max velocity, all that stuff. So now, you know, the workouts – the weight, we don't put no little weight on the bar. Like, we start off with good weight. But I like these strength coaches because they don't go crazy. We don't do heavy, heavy back squat. Like, we just do smart workout moves. But we get challenged, you know. And that's one thing I feel like that's going to make us a better team because you, you got to be challenged in this league. You got to be challenged in everything you do. And I feel like that's going to make us grow as a football team. Just the energy in your workouts, though, is – something to watch because i know jeff jones brings that yes, to the weight room every single day when you guys are in there yes sir you know he gets us fired up you know sometimes a player come in there and get us fired up but it all starts out with him though because he, he get us going in the locker room tell us what we're gonna do and then we run down the hallway screaming do our uh, warm-up jacks and then just from the warm-ups the stretching right before the workouts he we, we fired up and i feel like that helps us in the weight room because sometimes nobody don't feel like working out at 6 45 in the morning but just hearing his voice and hearing him jacked up you know it gets most of us going and then it's up to us to get there it's up to the players to get all the other players going and i don't want to skip past well i understand we're opening at ou and you guys can do everything about winning that game in norman but after getting a little taste of an a-state memphis game this past season, I'm how excited to know that that is the home opener. The next guy, the next time you guys take the field at home, it's going to be against the Memphis Tigers. Uh, nah, it's like you said, you gotta get oh you first, but nah, it, that that will be a great home opener. No, uh, it should be a lot of people out there because I know we, we was their home opener this year, and they had this big title game, the nine one one game against us, and it's like over forty thousand people in that stadium. You know, it got real loud, kind of affected our offense. So it's good to get a home opener against Memphis. One of those five fourth quarter games yep. we were talking about, yes, where sir. you felt you had it there in the final couple of minutes, and Memphis was able to win. So. Just another source of motivation for you guys. Yes, sir. Absolutely. We win that game just based off of busted coverage. You know, we win that game on fourth and six. Just a busted coverage, a missed assignment is that lose your games. Well, you talk about all the little things you guys have done, though. Recruiting, evaluating the current program, trying to make yourselves better. You've changed the culture. You got to think that it's coming. It's going to happen at some point very soon. Why is 2023 going to be the year that this team breaks through? Honestly, the leadership, we've been missing leadership the past year, but leaders like myself, uh, Eddie Smith, Jackson Daly, all these guys, McKeelan Thomas, we just got to uh, just step up as leaders, you know what I'm saying? Lead the team, wield us to victory because it's easy to be a leader in the off season when workouts going on, but it's hard when it's in fall camp when it got 99 degree Arkansas heat <laughs> on your back. 
uh, it's hard when you're playing a team like Memphis. We bust the coverage on fourth and six, but can can you lead your defense to get another fourth and six? So this time you make that stop. That's all. That's all it's about. Just leading your team through tough moments, not when it's just good. But you got to lead them through the bad, and you got to get them out of the bad instead of letting the bad continue. I'm interested to hear that. You know, and I'm glad that you named the names of some other leaders without even sort of. Had you not, I probably would have asked you to. But it's even better that you did it without being asked. Now, you, I know you were a young guy. We heard how you got on the field and, and just kind of how you're wired. We understand. Same with Eddie. But the other name you mentioned is Jackson Daly. He's young, really didn't have a chance to get on the field enough for it to be about that. So tell me about him and how, how a guy in his spot who really hasn't been the guy is a guy that you listed in three names of team leaders. Of course, you know, he obviously learns from past mistakes. That's one thing I think he does well. You know, he doesn't go in there like in practice and make the same mistake that other quarterbacks make. You know, he kind of learns from him. And he may he may make a bad throw. He may do this and that. But uh, he, he learns, you know, and he wants to lead. So when, when he played scout team, he led the scout team. That's why the scout team was so good. That's why the defense was so good because we, we feel like it's game day out there just going against those guys and how he leads them so well, you know. And he always – he he wants to win. That's that's one thing me and him have a like. We got that competitive nature that we always want to win. He's mad when he loses. So when me and him playing mad, and he obviously loses to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, he gets mad. Obviously. <laughs> he gets mad. But, like, that's, that's one thing I like about him is just he – that competitive nature he has as a quarterback and I feel like you got to have that as a quarterback and you got to be vocal and that's one thing he is is very vocal leader who do you what team are you in Madden oh, I play with pretty much anybody I'm good but lately I've been playing with the Vikings I, I like Justin Jefferson I like that uh the defense pretty good who gives you the toughest matchup my friend from Birmingham Emil he he's probably we'd be playing online with each other on nobody out here Johnny Lang was good and man but uh you ran him he, off yeah, he's gonna yeah, he ran him <laughs> <laughs> Well, you said you're a football fan in general, so I'm guessing you're locked into the NFL playoffs now. Yes, sir. I watched yesterday. I was mad at the Dolphins and uh, Bills game. Took Mike McDaniel 25 seconds to call a play, and they'll uh, break the huddle at eight <laughs> seconds and then get a delayed game penalty. It was <laughs> making me mad because I'm not even a Dolphins fan, but that's just, that's just bad football. It just, it just, kept, <laughs> it just kept happening like all right, so what's the bigger mistake, that or with the season on the line, Minnesota throwing it five yards short of the sticks? Ooh. I just say both of them bad. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Minnesota because that that was bad though. I don't know what Kirk Cousins was doing. A five yard out route when you got to pick up more yards is is outrageous. Even though they're neck and neck, I I got to go Vikings because <laughs> I watched that too, and I'm just like, what are you doing? All right, you got your Super Bowl pick then. Uh, I like the Niners right now. I'm not a bandwagon fan, but I like they, their defense. You know, just watching them play yesterday, they fly around and they and they're hitting. Like they're very physical. So I like the 49ers to win it. Even though I think Pat Mahomes looking pretty good right now, the Chiefs looking pretty good. But I like the Niners doing it. We've branched off a little bit. So you're a football guy, but also kind of a you know a D back your know, safety type group. So as a football player, especially at that position. What do you think then when you see the, the Hamlin situation unfolding? I mean, as a football player, what are you sitting there watching that TV thinking? So uh, me and DeMar, actually, you know, he came from Pitt and Coach Harley when he first got here showed us a lot of his taping. You know, I texted DeMar. Me and him had a 
good conversation, like just learning the defense and stuff. Uh, on Twitter, you know, he was telling me, like I asked him a question about a certain blitz and a certain coverage, and like he'll give me feedback because he knows the system like the back of his hands. So seeing that happen to him, like, I was pretty upset about that, just knowing the player that he is, you know, but I was glad to see him that he was okay, you know, because that was a scary situation. It's just It would look like just a routine tackle, you know. I make a tackle like that every day for him carted off the field like that was – uh and him getting CPR was, yeah, it was upsetting, but I'm, I'm just glad he's okay. So Coach Harley hooked you up with DeMar Hamlin when you got here. Uh, we were just watching his tape, and then, like, I took the initiative to text him because I wanted to learn the defense bad because, like, I ran a similar defense in high school, but we ran it out of a three-man front and out of four down. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have – a personal connection then and yeah I thought about coach Harley after I learned that DeMar Hamlin had played at Pitt and I know he's been keeping up with the situation as well but uh, great to see him doing as well as he is but hey we're excited about seeing you absolutely coming up this season I I know we're excited about the season itself but I'm sure you're excited about spring practice, seeing all these new dudes out there yes, sir. for the first time. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm excited about it, you know, just taking it one day at a time, you know, getting these workouts through, you know, still got some skill development stuff to do just to see. But uh, spring ball should be exciting. It's going to be very competitive. And look forward to seeing everybody at the spring game. Justin, great to see you, buddy, and good luck this season. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right, more to come here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back. Enjoyed that visit with Justin Parks. What a great young man. And I'm going to be honest, I wasn't expecting the DeMar Hamlin comment there at the end. But very interesting that those two already had a relationship. Yeah, I had no clue about that. And really wouldn't even have thought to ask if we didn't kind of get off in the NFL anyway. Because I honestly haven't talked to a player you know even one of our players really since that happened so just i was interested to hear just the situation you know forget having that connection but just what's it like as a football player watching a football player have yeah. it happen to him because you know as a football player like you know what you signed up for the head injuries could happen and you might break a leg or something this tyranny but i don't know that too many guys are ever taking the field thinking you know this could cause my heart to stop today no and they can't allow themselves to think something like that but really fascinating conversation with justin and appreciate him coming in to do that do want to talk basketball the men's team was at home for a couple of games this past week two very good opponents they started with the two-time defending league champions from texas state on thursday night this was a game that was close throughout thought terrence ford played really well in this game 15 points a season high five steals but omar el sheik battled foul trouble in this one he only played 17 minutes he had eight points nine rebounds he was certainly playing well when he was out there but this came down to the last few minutes and some deflating moments down the stretch (laughs) and the one I think about is when Texas State's up three it was 53 to 50 with a few minutes left 
and couldn't have guarded the possession any better. The shot clock was down to one. The ball is out on the wing, and I forget the young man from Texas State's name that that put it up, but he was shooting 9% from three on the year. Throws it up at the shot clock buzzer, hits it, yeah. and they go up six. Yeah, it's just been that sort of deal because, again, that particular possession, I mean, had just guarded and guarded and guarded, really, I think, through a couple of shot clocks because Texas State just kept trying to turn it over, and it kept just somehow finding them. And then to do that, right, the shot clock was a killer. And I think maybe they come down the other, I mean, even maybe have got it to eight again. And at that point, like, well, I mean, that that's it. And then – Next thing you know, this happens, that happens, and you, you still got a sliver of hope to try to throw something in and force overtime. Yeah, that's true. But uh, Texas State able to hit some big shots down the stretch. They win it 61-58. to 58. And then Saturday, Southern Miss was in town, and they've been one of the big surprises in the country this year. They won seven games last season, but they brought in some new assistant coaches that helped them bring in nine new transfers. And now they're the oldest team in all of Division One basketball. Their <laughs> average age is 22.1. They're also really big. And I was talking with Coach Bellato even off the air uh, before the game, and he said, I'm not so sure about this matchup. It may not be the best matchup for us just because of their size and their physicality. And what happened – I thought the Red Wolves got off to a great sure start. Did, Came yeah. out of the gate really nice. And it was a tie game at the half at 33 apiece. And you're thinking at that point that we got a chance to win this thing. But then the first 10 minutes of the second half, just a disaster. Southern Miss 31-6 to in the first 10 minutes of the second half. And just no way to yeah. come back from that. Nope. Uh, they, and they would just make shots in bunches, man. It was uh... – yeah, it was a, a crazy game from that standpoint. And just the week in general, man, I, I really want to, on this platform and every chance I get, I, I want to shout out our Arkansas State students. Uh, they've been turning out. Uh, it's they really funny, did, yeah. Like Thursday night, I, I had multiple people, including people that work for the arena, going, come up to me and go, hey, is there a, is there, was there like some kind of giveaway in the student section tonight? No. Was there any kind of contest, some kind of thing? No, they're just, they're just here. <laughs> <laughs> that's allowed they can just and, show up uh, they've been showing up good numbers and i think you know student activities board have done some good stuff there and they help us a lot in, in communicating that and then they're you know they're going to have a neat deal going thursday night when the cajuns are in here you know for a state students sab is is getting produced 100 replica jerseys that they're going to be giving out in student section thursday night well, that's pretty neat so i expect another big student turnout meanwhile the women were in action they were playing a couple of road games this past week they started at southern miss on thursday a game that was a two-point deficit at the half on thursday they were down 20 to 18 but just a disastrous third quarter outscored 25 to 2 in the third and southern miss ends up winning that one 61 36 yeah that and another one-sided loss at texas state just a bad week but there's no there ain't another way to put that. Quite honestly, played bad in the first half, probably at Southern Miss, and got away with it. Yeah. And then, you know, in, instead of kind of cashing that in to a chance to maybe swipe a game, it went the other way. And so, yeah, this team is scrapping right now. 
And, and especially when you look at the shooting numbers, it's a little bit of a mystery because they've got too many kids on that team that can hit shots. Yeah, shot 25% in the game Thursday, 23% on Saturday. So trying to figure some things out uh, on both ends of the floor right now. And hopefully they can have better luck this week as they're back on the road again. We'll take a look ahead to those games and everything else that's coming up in the week ahead when we come back to wrap things up on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize your home really really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC equal housing lender subject to credit approval. Well, baseball season is just one month away. Excited about that. The schedule was officially released this past week. A couple of months ago, Tommy Raffo was in here on this podcast, though, and he had told us it was looking like 35 home games this year, which would be a school record. And what do you know? 35 of 56 games are at Tomlinson Stadium. That's pretty neat, being able to play that many games on the home turf. Trying to make up for that 2021 season. When we played about 80% on the road, I <laughs> yeah. think. That was something. But, yeah, 35 of 56 games at home, and 15 of the first 16 will be at the time that you know the lone exception is that you know traditional first midweek at Ole Miss Red Wolves will open up the season Friday February 17th against UAPB that'll be a three-game series against the Golden Lions and then we'll open up conference play a month later in Lafayette against the Cajuns that's always a fun trip to take as far as the atmosphere yeah the schedule also features home and home series with Ole Miss Memphis we're used to those but Little Rock is still on the schedule. We'll play a home-and-home with Little Rock now, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. And it also includes road games. Got a midweek game at Mississippi State and one at Arkansas. We're not doing two at Arkansas this year, just the one in Fayetteville. But, and, uh, and UCA coming to Jonesboro, too, I think, in, mid, in the midweeks. So. Yeah, well, actually, that's a home-and-home home as well. So a good schedule for Tommy Raffo's team and excited about baseball getting here in about a month. And, you know, leads in the week of the opener on Monday night, the 13th, is the Grand Slam Banquet with, you know, Patrick Renna, who plays Ham Porter in the Sandlot, the catcher. You're killing me, Smalls. Can't wait for that. Uh, he'll be here. Ticket sales, I checked on that today before we recorded. They've, they've been going good, sold a lot of tables. So you need to get in on that if you want to be a part of the Grand Slam Banquet. Uh, tickets are moving right along. Yeah, trying to figure out just – how I'm approaching that because usually I'm, I'm just going through a player's career and we hit on highlights and and uh gonna be a little bit different but I'm looking forward to that uh that visit with Patrick Renna coming up next month meanwhile basketball back on the floor the women continue their road swing they'll be at South Alabama Thursday at seven and then in Lafayette Saturday at two the men will wrap up their homestand couple of games this week Thursday at 7 against a really good Raging Cajun team. And then another very good yeah. team Saturday at 2 when Marshall comes to town. You know, it's neat to have a four-game homestand, but I think by the time we're done with this thing, we may look back and realize that we just played 
if not the top four teams in the conference, four of the top five or six teams in the league yeah. during this home stretch. And then, you know, first game out of that home stretch is going to be going back to Southern Miss. So this was a, it's a brutal stretch of schedule right now for this A-State men's bunch. Track and field will be back in action this week. They'll continue the indoor season as they compete in the Vanderbilt Invitational in Nashville. So we'll have an eye on that as well you mentioned at the very top of the program something that was released and talked about quite a bit last week on social media as far as the new vintage apparel collection that's mm-hmm. available i want to know more about this well I'll, I'll say some stuff and then i'll let you ask whatever questions you had about it but first of all let me say that uh, before i even went to work at arkansas state but it was just sort of public that i was going to I was getting blown up on Twitter from fans wanting one of my first orders of business to be get us a line of apparel from Home Field. And Home Field, the deal is this is just what they do. They're a place whose niche is just going out and, and working with a school and, and using their vintage marks, you know, old things they've used in the past or whatever, and putting a line of apparel out, kind of celebrating that. That's basically all they do. Our fans really wanted Arkansas State to have a line with Home Field. Now, I have to say that when I got there, this process was well underway. It's not like I walked in and started. It was already uh, well underway. It had been going on for probably well over a year trying to get that thing going. Uh, Sarah Munoz, who was here before me, and you know Will Spires, who was our rep with a company, Affinity Licensing, that runs our licensing company. They already had this thing in works with Home Field. So, I mean, really – my involvement then was kind of picking up the ball, making sure you know the momentum didn't stop, and just sort of seeing it across the finish line. Really, even most the most all the the designs and artwork were already done, and what that line was going to look like. So let me say that first of all, what I told fans, you know, whether it was on Twitter or you know DM or and even they came up to me in person talking about it, is that I hear you, I get it, but you, I want you to acknowledge the challenges that go along with trying to create a vintage line when you can't touch 81 years of your mascot history. With the Indian. That makes putting out vintage stuff a little bit tough. And I was surprised that some of the reaction to this seemed to be surprised that it wasn't Indian stuff. That shouldn't surprise you. And if it did, let me go ahead and tell you now, it ain't ever going to happen because it can't. Through the school, right? Well, it, it can't at all because... All right, so we, we want to get in the weeds here a little bit. I, well, and I, I'll just ask this question, okay? okay? People see Jumpin' Joe yes. stuff around town. So how is that possible when you're not able to do it through this apparel line? Well, I'll give you, I'm going to give you a really honest answer. When we went through the mascot change in 08, the NCAA foolishly made the university sign a document abandoning control of all of its old marks. Now... What the NCAA should have done instead was made the university sign a document maintaining control of its old marks, but basically promising never to use them. They will lock them up and vault them, but we keep control of them. Because what happened instead is eventually somebody kind of clued into it. Listen, part of my job is overseeing licensing. So we got everything on our logo sheet and this list of protected terms, Arkansas State, and A-State, and Red Wolves, and how yes, and how no, and this and that, that even if those words appear on something – I've got to approve it before it can get mm-hmm. produced. So if you used 
any of the old marks, even if you're going to use the old headdress. Remember the S was the headdress? Sure. Yeah, that yeah. Old, you know why you never seen that logo? Because maybe because people didn't like it that much. But even if they did, you don't see it because if they did it, it says ASU. And it would have to go through licensing. And that means I would shoot it down because it said Indians. Okay. So go back to everything you see with Joe, be it running or jumping. It's just him alone. Never says Arkansas State. Okay. ASU. That's how that happens. Because instead of telling, instead of letting us vault those marks and promising never to use them, the NCAA made us abandon control of them. You had to go and find what you could use yeah. in this apparel line. And so what you've got is, um, right, kind of think of off the top of my head, if, I, if you haven't seen it yet, at some point in time, I'm going to kind of on my own Twitter feed go through these item by item. But you've got, there's an Arkansas, and a piece that says Arkansas State and University on three lines of text. That's the front of an old men's basketball shooter's top or warm-up. There's an Arkansas big A at the beginning, a little bigger S at the end, and above it, in, in that gap is State. It's from a women's basketball jersey from, okay. from not all that long ago. That's in there. Uh, and that one, as a matter of fact, has been selling really, really well. There is a logo that's got an A above an S, and a U around them that almost looks like goalposts. Huh. That's the cover of the 1967 media guide, the first football season as Arkansas State University instead of Arkansas State College. There's a logo that's the shape of the state of Arkansas with the word state going down it diagonally. That's from the front of a track jersey, same era, late 60s. That was on the track uniform. And then there's red. And this one got a lot of conversation. They thought you were bringing red back. Which, yeah, is kind of goofy in its own right to think that. But again, it's the only thing of a spirit character or mascot we got any access to. When I sat down in my first conversation with the home field people and said, hey, I see this red shirt. I don't know if you're going to sell any of it. They said, we like that one best of all of them because it's different. We think it'll sell the best. We think people that aren't even Arkansas State fans will buy that shirt. Wow. Well, it might. The shirt looks good. And then there's a 1970 National Champion shirt, which is really not very far removed from the shirt that actually they've made in 1970. It looks an awful lot like the one that they really put out there in 1970 for winning the National Championship. That's the one that caught my attention. Uh, so I think that's everything that's in the line. Uh, yeah, there's six marks, eight total pieces. But again, you know, the, the big challenge here, and I want to make sure everybody knows, it was putting up a vintage line when... 80 years of being the Indians was untouchable. It's not that we will not put something out. It's we absolutely cannot put something out ourselves or approve something, get put out. That's got our name attached with the, that mascot. We can't, we signed a thing saying it wouldn't happen. Will there, there be more coming to this line? I don't know. We'll see. Cause I, I mean, I think obviously how this beginning goes probably would gauge home field's interest in a bigger line i'll say this if even if it didn't come out through home field i think there are uh, some other kind of unique kind of different marks and and things that were used along the way that i think could come out that we could work with some from local re- retailers even and get some more stuff out there from a vintage tile if, if we wanted to down the line i had people ask before like so what home field wasn't going to do was they weren't going to invent marks like somebody said well how come it d- couldn't do like a vintage gorillas logo there wasn't ever a gorillas logo the first logo this place had was jumping joe so there was nothing before that so in in home field's not in the business of inventing logos they're the business of putting your old marks on stuff 
So that's kind of why that didn't happen. And and again, everything predating being the Indians also predates actually having a logo. I like it. And I think a lot of our fans will embrace this as well. And I know a lot of them are extremely excited about this new vintage line from home field. Anything else you need to talk about before you get out of here? No, I feel better having <laughs> talked about that. That was a little bit of a rant in <laughs> itself. Hey, appreciate uh, Justin Park swinging by, being a part of this episode. Really enjoyed that visit. Who knows who we'll visit with next week on our next edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.